0: Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host Stacy Washington.
1: Are, are, are athletics important to these kids? Do you think it's their minds right now? No, I think both. I think um, I think athletics are important, but also their mind. I think both. I think it just plays. Um, it, it just bring when you're when you're a part of sports and you're a part of your mind. It just brings some, so much camaraderie and so much fun. You know, we, we we are in a position right now in America, more importantly where this whole, this race thing is, is, is taking over, you know, and, and um, because, one, because I believe our president is kind of trying to divide us. Um, but I think... Kind of? Yeah, he <laughs> is. He is, now I don't want to say kind of. He's, <laughs> he's dividing us, and, and what i noticed over the last few months, um, that he's kind of used sport to kind of divide us, and, I, and that's something that I can't relate to because I know that sport was the first time I ever was around someone white. You know, and I and I and I got an opportunity to see them and learn about them, and they got an opportunity to learn about me, and we became very good friends. And I was like, "Oh wow, this is all because of sports." And sports has never been something that divides people; it's always been something that brings someone together.
2: Welcome back to the program, uh, Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, 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 who was that? okay guys, it was, it was LeBron James. Now don't get mad. Don't, don't, don't get all huffed up. It's okay. There's a method to the madness. LeBron James was just blasting president Trump. The quote is "He's using sports to divide us. And I thought we should listen to that and a little bit more. Uh, you know, not, not more audio from LeBron James, but w- to discuss what is actually going on here. And I think it's, we have to, we have to, again, highlight just like with Carmelo Anthony, who's on, in the NBA as well, that LeBron James does a lot of work in the inner cities. He does a lot of work with disadvantaged youth and that's good, but we cannot tolerate this continual misdirection by people who he, he feels like he has the right to do it and say whatever he wants because he's in the NBA and he's got all those championship rings and et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't give him carte blanche to say things that aren't true. I haven't been 100% in love with the president's tweeting about the anthem protests, but he's not the one who started this. He, he's not even close to the one that started it. Now, why would it be important for LeBron James to uh, pin this on Donald Trump? Well, we're really close to the, 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 uh, the midterms, are we not? We're less than 100 days out. And what is the impetus for the, like, all the kneeling and everything? Well, police brutality was what Colin Ka- Kaepernick said motivated him to start these anthem protests. But a part of me really feels like he wasn't being completely honest about that because he was going into free agency and he, you know, he's he's not satisfied with his contract with the 49ers and he kind of gained a lot of notoriety out of it. But it backfired as what should have happened in his mind is people should have been like, oh, my goodness, he's so right. The police are so brutal. They're so like out of control. We need to totally support him. And, you know, lift him up as like this total activist and that that would help move his public persona and that he'd probably get a really great contract out of it. But that was a total bad move on his part. His girlfriend at the time, a DJ on a New York City radio station who happens to be of Islamic extraction, was kind of propelling him into those really what were bad acts. And then the lunacy of him kneeling during the national anthem to protest police brutality while on the job and employed by the NFL. The ridiculousness of him actually putting himself out there on the job. Notice I'm saying on the job because he could have protested at any time. He could have protested at six o'clock every evening. He could have protested at six o'clock in the morning every day. He could have done it on any time he wasn't wearing his uniform for the team that was paying him millions of dollars to play football. He chose to take the football arena and the playing of the national anthem to do the kneeling because he knew it would get a lot of cameras on him. He knew it would get him a lot of interviews outside of his work time. But like anybody who has a job, all of us are subject to, hey, look, you know, you can talk about pretty much anything you want on the radio, but you can't tear down the audience that listens to... the the target audience of the radio station that you're on. That would be the applicable comparison for me. You can't do things that alienates the audience that is the target of the programming that we're producing. For him, he was alienating the audience for the work that he was contracted to do, which is playing football. This isn't really a statement on whether or not I believe he truly felt that there was police brutality. He probably did and still does. In fact, a lot of the interviews that he's had, he seems to have a real affinity for this idea that, you know, out of the billion interactions a year that police have with people in America, including people of color, that there's somehow a real disparity in how the police treat blacks. I have had all kinds of interactions with the police when it comes to, you know, being pulled over in my vehicle, and they haven't all been the rosiest of interactions, but the bulk of them over 90% of them have been completely by the book and the person has been professional. And so we're talking about a very small handful of those interactions where I would say that wasn't my favorite one. Like I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the way that went, but I'm only getting pulled over for, you know, uh, moving violations, things like that. Nothing, nothing criminal, felonious, anything like that. So I just, I feel bad for Colin Kaepernick because he got sold a bill of goods by the girlfriend. And then instead of him separating himself off from that, when he saw it was detrimental to his career, he doubled down on it. And in doubling down on it, he kind of emboldened a bunch of other people to do the same thing. And now the NFL is in a position where the employers, the team owners, they, they employ the actual players. They can't tell their employees what to do. Now, every employee-employer relationship is not the same. You know, people who work in a factory are going to get ordered around by their employer at a much different way than someone who is an NFL superstar. But in the end of the day, those NFL players still have a boss to answer to. They still have someone who's going to decide whether or not to renew their contract. And they still have to produce a product that they are being paid to produce. And so in alienating the fans, they've peeled off a bunch of people who just quite honestly can't be bothered with paying those kinds of prices for season tickets or tickets you know, that you buy at the box office or online. They can't be bothered to pay that kind of money to watch a group of people act up before the game. The next layer, that's, that's what we're looking at this season. When the season starts and they really get into the games and the anthem protests, if they continue... You'll see that secondary layer of people who are diehard fans, but they're not that diehard and they'll peel off. The the ratings have taken a hit. And so the question and or the statement that LeBron James makes about he tries to blast Donald Trump and say it's his fault. President Trump has participated in the melee, the fracas online with the tweets and everything about the anthem. And it is a divided Conversation. You have everybody who basically says you're kneeling during the anthem. I don't care what you're kneeling about; it disrespects the flag. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I'm done with it. And then there's the other people who are, admittedly, possibly more nuanced. They might say, "I understand you're kneeling during the national anthem. You you don't care anything about the national anthem. You're just using that as a vehicle to get your message out." I kind of agree with you on police brutality, or I like the team players and I, I support them, whatever. And those people who are expressing that. They're not really so much in favor of protesting during the national anthem, but they're not willing to leave the sport because of it. And then there's everybody else. Like I don't watch football. I know my parents, my mom's a Redskins fan. My dad's a Cowboys fan. So they have this rivalry where they each have their own shirts for their teams. They go to the games together, dressed up in their garb and stuff. And this is like Sundays. If they're not at an actual game, they will actually just watch on TV and wear their stuff at home. I mean, it's just crazy how much people love football. That being said, they are Democrats and they don't really love the anthem protests. They're not going to come out as strongly as I would against them, but they, they don't love the protests because they feel like it takes away from the fun of the game. So when LeBron James says it's Donald Trump's fault, is he being honest about that? No. And it's not about his opinion or whether he feels like Donald Trump is dividing the nation on it. The fact is Colin Kaepernick created the issue. Colin Kaepernick said, here's a side, my side, and everybody else is on the other side. That's where the division came from. And every single player that kneels during the national anthem is a part of widening and deepening and making more permanent that divide. Not Donald Trump. As much as People on one side or the other may dislike the president's tweets or they may love the tweets because they're like, yeah, sock it to him. I really don't like what they're doing. Whether you like the tweets or don't like them, the tweets are not the reason why people are kneeling. They're not kneeling because of Donald Trump. Now, there may be people who didn't kneel before who now feel like they need to kneel because they don't like the president, what the president tweeted, but he didn't start it. So blaming him for the division is really disingenuous. And really, LeBron James should be better able to articulate what he feels about the issue. But why should he? He could just go on Don Lemon and Don Lemon can kind of prompt the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. And you can get your back slaps from Don Lemon. But the point is not being made. When more than half of the country doesn't support the protest that you're putting on and refuses to listen to the reasoning behind the protest because they don't like the methodology, you're not winning the conversation. For those who want to compare this to the civil rights movement and say, well, back when people were sitting in at lunch counters and they were you know, doing different things to advance the civil rights movement, they were called names. They were told to stop what they were doing. They were told they were disrupting the, the society, but they had a base of support within the white community and they pushed forward because they knew they were in the right. My answer to that is how dare you compare kneeling on a football field individuals who the minimum amount of money that those guys are making sitting out there is $440,000. If you ride the bench in the NFL, your minimum, according to the Players Union, is four hundred and forty dollars How dare you compare that to men and women who were working as bottle washers and dishwashers and janitors and nurses and some of them teachers, many of them pastors? putting their actual lives on the line and getting bitten by dogs and hit with water hoses for the right for their kids to have the same textbooks and educational opportunities and to take part in the American dream like everyone else in the society. How dare you compare those two? They don't equate. They're not in the same realm of reality. A bunch of overpaid, game-playing, grown men who, honestly, the level of criminality in the NFL is what they should be kneeling about. They should be kneeling before the games and praying about how fewer of them can beat their wives, run dog-fighting rings, get involved in shootouts in the inner city, mismanage their money, not invest any of it, and end up broke within five years of ending their career with the NFL. They want to kneel about something. They have a whole lot of their own personal problems they should address. And notice LeBron James is talking trash from over on his side from the NBA, but their contract states they're not even allowed to protest during any part of their appearance in their uniform. They actually have a rule in the NBA that every player who is visible to the public has to be standing during the national anthem. So how is he even fixing his mouth to talk? He can't even protest because his employer won't let him. So there's a lot of discussion that we can have. There's a lot, you know, we can, we can, Hey, what, you know, is there police brutality according to Heather McDonald? No. She uses government statistics to show that there's not a, a, a concerted effort, an intentional concerted effort by the police in the United States to brutalize black Americans. There's no acknowledgement that highly areas that have a high level of crime are going to have a different policing atmosphere Than a suburban neighborhood where the worst thing you ever hear about is somebody going two miles over the speed limit. Where there's one murder every 20 years. It's going to be a different kind of policing environment. But we can't have that conversation because we're too busy listening to LeBron James who can't kneel. Talk about people who are kneeling and how everything that's going on is Donald Trump's fault. Which in my opinion is a symptom of Trump derangement syndrome. The man just can't stop talking about Donald Trump. You know what I say about that when the haters come calling, just say my name and keep keep it moving. But he's not making any sense. It's not Donald Trump's fault. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about how the media has their catchphrase with Donald Trump and the fall midterm elections and some more on illegal immigration. (laughs) Stay right there.
0: Meet Dan Steiner, president of Preborn. Jill came into our center about eight months ago, and uh, she was in a really difficult spot because her husband had, or um, I'm sorry, her boyfriend was incarcerated. She didn't have a place to live. She's out on the street. She came into our center, and uh, when she saw her baby on the ultrasound, she says, I've got to find a way to do this. She changed from abortion minded to wanting to choose life for her baby, and that's where we came in, coming beside that ultrasound with baby clothes with housing for her. Her baby just delivered last Wednesday. It's a little boy. He's beautiful. That's the power of ultrasound. 80 percent of women choose life when they see their baby on ultrasound. To find out more about how you can help save a baby's life go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. This
3: is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Over the last few months, I've done a number of radio interviews dealing with sexual abuse and sexual harassment. During each program, I try to acknowledge the possibility that sometimes an allegation might be false. This is not to diminish the importance of speaking out, but also acknowledge that sometimes there may be a false report. One prominent example is what happened to Andy Puzner, who was originally put forward as President Trump's nominee for Secretary of Labor. If you do an Internet search on his name, you will see numerous stories and YouTube clips of his ex-wife on The Oprah Winfrey Show. They were going through a divorce and she claimed that he abused her. You will have to do a much more extensive Internet search to discover that his ex-wife wanted to take back what she said. In fact, she has published letters all through the 1990s, and even as recently as 2016 and 2017, explaining that she lied. In one email, she even explains that he was not abusive, and that she was counseled to make those allegations to help with the divorce settlement. But none of that helped. The stories are out there, and he withdrew his nomination last year. Marina Medved talks about the Yiddish story of a wise elder who wanted to teach a woman making false allegations of the power of her words. He told her to cut the top off of a feather pillow and walk about town. After the feathers flew out of the pillow, he asked her to go around town and collect the feathers. She never could get all the feathers back into the pillow. His ex-wife opened her pillow years ago on a national television program. Try as she might, she has never been able to get all the feathers back into the pillow. I've heard that President Trump is considering Andy Puzner for another position in the administration, but there may still be too many feathers around town. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my Point of View.
0: Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right.
2: Why do you think these attacks are becoming so much more frequent now?
4: It's not surprising that Donald Trump is increasing his attacks. The walls are closing in on him.
0: The wall, the
4: Don't food. just stand there try and brace it with
3: something! feels like the walls are closing in on the White House. It feels as if the walls are closing in here. I think the walls of, of justice are closing in on President Trump.
2: Increasingly desperate, feeling like the walls are closing in. The President clearly feels all the walls closing in on him in terms of the Russia investigation. The walls are closing in. I, I think at this point the walls are spinning. It does feel like the walls are closing in. But think that the administration at this point can start to see the walls closing in.
0: He feels the walls closing in on him. Everybody he talks to says the walls are closing in. This is another potential wall closing in.
4: This president is feeling the walls
2: are closing in. The walls, meanwhile, are closing in on the president of the United States. I think he's feeling
0: the Russian investigation. I think he's feeling the wheels, the, the, the walls closing in on him. I think he knows that the
3: walls are closing in.
2: The walls may be closing in higher up at the White House.
3: The president apparently believes that the walls are closing in on him. The walls are closing in on the president right now that donald trump
1: feels the walls closing in
2: so there was a lot more of that audio like another minute or so and these are clips of actual news individuals making the same statement at one point joanne reed was going to say something else and then she remembered oh no i'm supposed to say walls are closing in and she said walls are closing in (laughs) she actually policed herself this is the media just launching into this coordinated attack about walls closing in. So Free Beacon does this mashup and you can hear little bits of the Star Wars movie where the original one, the first one where um you've got Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker and Chewie, Chewbacca. They're in the garbage compactor on, I think it's the Death Star. And they're, the garbage compactor has been... Uh, initiated or initialized, and they're, the walls are coming in. And so they're like, brace it with something. <laughs> and it's, it's meant to be funny. And I hope you got a laugh out of that because there are no walls closing in on President Trump. The Manafort trial is underway, and we've heard nothing. We've not heard the president's name mentioned once. The FBI has been on to Paul Manafort for over 10 years looking at his financial dealings. And now they're prosecuting him, and it has nothing to do with, well, it has to do with President Trump because they're now prosecuting him because he became a part of the Trump orbit because he was the Trump campaign manager for a very, very short period of time during the campaign. And so they're you know utilizing that to uh, put the screws to him. That's it. That's all it is. Yep. So they got to do better. They Really, they have to do better than that. Um, so we missed one little bit of audio from first hour where we were talking about illegal immigration. And I have some more stats for you some more kind of crazy stats for you um i want to first listen to there's an ice official and he's testifying before congress and as he's testifying he gets you know they start asking him questions and one of the uh senators is asking him a question about what's going on and why the people are being treated like criminals mind you illegal aliens is the subject and she's just perplexed by all of it. And so he has to really lay into her a little bit. And she still didn't get it. It's number two.
4: Mr. Albans, would you send your child to FRCs?
3: Again, I think we're, we're, we're missing the point.
0: These individuals are there because they have broken a law. There has to be a process.
4: They have broken a law only as deemed so by the president with his. No, ma'am. They're
0: there for violation of Title Eight of the immigration of the US Nationality Act uh, okay they're eight USC 1325 that's illegal entry is both a criminal and civil violation they are in those FRCs pending the outcome of that civil immigration process they have broken the law
4: well these are mainly my, my understanding is that uh, under zero tolerance these are no longer civil civil proceedings but in fact we're criminal proceedings
0: they were both, so? they were criminal proceedings when the Border Patrol prosecuted them. But at the conclusion of that process, once the individual came into ICE custody, they would go through administrative proceedings. I'm confused. Okay. We, so the The, the, the criminal, proce- the criminal we, proceeding is the individual being prosecuted for the criminal violation of improper entry.
2: So she's confused. So who are we listening to? You've got Democratic Senator Mazie Hirano from Hawaii She's been serving in the Senate since 2013. You would think in those intervening years, she would have had the opportunity to learn that entering the country by any other means than a legal port of entry is an act, a civil crime, and it's also a criminal violation, which the Immigration and Customs Enforcement officer informed her of. She's saying that the only reason they're lawbreakers is because Donald Trump said so. But that's not true. Donald Trump has passed no, he's not passed, but he has not signed any new legislation on the border. On the subject of the border, he has signed no new laws. Remember, he can't pass any new laws. He can issue executive orders which outline how existing law is to be applied, but he can't pass new legislation. The zero tolerance policy that he implemented was not new law. It was simply a reversion to executing the laws on the books as they are written. This is a hugely important distinction because if this woman who is sitting in the Senate of the United States receiving, what is it now? 178 a year, $178,000 a year plus perks and bennies. And she doesn't understand how our tricameral government works like that the executive branch doesn't pass law. We got problems. We have huge problems. So you have Matthew Albens. He's explaining to her that the illegal immigrants are in these detention facilities because they broke the law, specifically Title Eight of the U.S. and Nationality Act, which coincidentally was passed, I believe, while Donald Trump was like a baby. <laughs> and he's 72 years old, right? <laughs> There's no way... He had anything to do with the passage of that law. Now, yes, it's important that we call her out and, you know, refuse to sing her praises for being so embarrassingly ill informed. But we have a couple of other things that we have to go over as well. Namely, that we've got just hordes of criminal, illegal aliens just rushing into this country. It's like an invasion. And when people say that, I had someone say to me in an online messaging group uh, about a month ago, he said, you're using that Ann Coulter rhetoric, that incendiary rhetoric about illegal immigration, but we have to stand together with our Brown brothers and sisters against this tyrannical form of government that President Trump is implementing because it's based on racism. Now, first of all, that's a bunch of nonsensical word blather. That's first of all. And second of all, Please don't think you're insulting me if you're comparing me to Ann Coulter, who's a best-selling author and someone who, honestly, her brain is like a finely tuned Patriot missile with a huge sword on top that's been sharpened to within an inch of your life. And it's just zooming around at supersonic speed. That woman's books are, it's a part of the national treasure. You don't believe me? Read a couple of them. So not insulted. I'm not here for the comparisons, though, because I don't need to be compared to Ann Coulter on immigration. I actually have the feelings and beliefs and information-based position because I've informed myself on it. And I've not only just read some Ann Coulter, but I've read many, many authors, especially Thomas Sowell is another one who's written some amazing books that touch on illegal immigration and other problems that are endemic to our society This is an informed opinion that I'm holding, and it's not based on racism. I'm sporting a permanent tan, but even if I wasn't, there's nothing racist about wanting Immigrations and Customs Enforcement to do their job and for our laws on immigration to be followed. It's not xenophobia. It has nothing to do with fear of people who don't come from this country or any of that stuff. It's just not the truth. People who hurl those kinds of insults are simply showing you that they have no coherent answer to your concerns about illegal immigration. The fact that there are probably 30 million illegals here, not 11 million. We know there's more than 11 million. Like, we got to stop using that one. How do we know? Well, if you just use the data on arrests, people who are arrested and c- incarcerated in this country, you know there are well more than 11 million. So you got a top official at the Department of Homeland Security Testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, stating that the Enforcement and Removal Operations Division arrested more than 127,000 illegal aliens with criminal convictions or impending criminal charges during the fiscal year of 2017. Again, it's Matthew Albens, Executive Associate Director for ERO, and that's a division of ICE, testifying during an oversight hearing. He said the number represents an increase of almost 11,000 in the number of criminal aliens that were arrested in the year 2016. So that's a significant uptick. Now, what were these people guilty of? Because you're probably thinking they kept their library books too long. They didn't say hello in the South. You know, it's against the law not to speak in the South. There's a ton of stuff they're doing wrong. They're not washing their dishes every night before bed. They're going to not making their beds up in the morning. No, these are serious offenses. Al Bentz broke down further by the type of crime that illegals were convicted of or had charges pending for more than 76,000 dangerous drug offenses, 48,000 assaults, 11,000 weapon offenses, more than 5,000 sexual assault offenses. So that's, 5,000 Americans who have been sexually assaulted by people who, had they not entered the country illegally, those people wouldn't have been sexually assaulted. More than 2,000 kidnapping offenses. These people believe in snatching folks up and kidnapping them. More than 1,800 homicides. 1,800 Americans who would still be alive, working, paying taxes, going to church, pumping gas, contributing to the economy, spending time with their loved ones. 1,800 of them who are not alive today because we can't seal up our southern border. In fact, in fiscal year 2017 and again in fiscal year 2018, nearly nine out of every 10 aliens arrested by ERO, came to our attention after their arrest for a local, state, or federal criminal violation and the vast majority of those convicted criminal aliens. Now, as if this isn't bad enough, because you're probably thinking, dang, that's bad news. Thanks for bringing me down on hump day. Sorry, but the truth matters. Imagine what these numbers would be. If California, the largest state by population in the United States, wasn't a sanctuary state that refuses to cooperate with Immigrations and Customs Enforcement to bring lawbreakers to justice so that they can be deported. Remember, I think the number is something like over 40 percent of the population of California is illegals. Yeah, you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So. The zero tolerance policy for violations of 8 U.S.C. 13.25 improper entry by alien in which Customs and Border Protection would refer aliens that arrested for illegally entering the country to U.S. attorneys offices along the southwest border for criminal prosecution. In accordance with the standard practice employed by federal law enforcement agencies who arrest individuals for committing federal crimes, CBP transferred these adults to the U.S. Marshal Service Pending prosecution. But we got a senator from the great state of Hawaii who thinks that the only reason these people are criminals is because Donald Trump said so. Now, if this weren't such a serious subject, I would have asked my producer to Give me some laugh track audio so we could all just sit back for a second and grab our little coffee mugs and our water bottles, you know, so we could be, be hydrating ourselves and we could just spend a good five minutes laughing at how ridiculous that statement is. But this isn't a laughing matter. We can't take time out to be mirthful and enjoy her stupidity because the stupidity that she's peddling is killing people. The refusal to seal the southern border is killing people. The refusal to erect a wall in the places where a wall is needed to rehabilitate the sections of wall that are currently like the stuff you see outside of a scrap metal heap is yielding 2,000 kidnappings, 5,000 sexual assaults, 11,000 weapons offenses, which coincidentally, shouldn't the Democrats be primarily concerned with that alone because they're all for gun control? If you're for gun control, shouldn't you want to control the number of criminals who have access to illegal weapons? Because, you know, you know why they're not, because they're too busy worrying about how many AR-15s I have. They're too busy worrying about how many law abiding citizens are actually members of the NRA, because it's not about them caring about reducing gun crime. It's because they want an, an actionable item that they can run on in the midterm and in the general in 2020. With the Democrats, everything is just a voter issue. It's not that they care about the black community. They've moved on. Refugees and illegal aliens are their new core constituency. They've forgotten about union folks, except for trying to get right to work, stopped in Missouri and other states that are considering it. They're not concerned with well-being and getting people a better life. It's about making sure that you vote the way you're supposed to and then shut up, get back. We don't want to hear anything from you. Which coincidentally... I found it odd that today Barack Obama announced the candidates who are Democrats who he's supporting in their individual races. It's an endorsement list that he put out. And guess who he didn't endorse? Ocasio-Cortez, socialist extraordinaire. So I guess she's a little too radical for him. She's basically just an extension of the things that he peddled while he was in office. And I'm also wondering, as you might be, Who's going to be held accountable for the 76,000 drug offenses, 48,000 assaults, 11,000 weapons offenses, 5,000 sexual assaults, 2,000 kidnappings, and 1,800 homicides? What government officials have to be held accountable and put on trial for permitting this to happen in our country? The reason it's allowed to continue is because no one's being held accountable. So I guess these people's lives don't matter. I guess it just isn't important at least not to them. We'll be back with more Stacy on the right right after these messages. You can call in at 866-963-2037. That's 866-963-2037. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. The crisis at our southern border has stymied all reasoning and thoughtful consideration of what is driving the influx of people irresponsibly dragging tiny children thousands of miles to break our border laws. Most of those arriving here illegally are claiming credible fear that they will suffer violence or reprisals in their home country. The problem with that is that just 5% of all claims made are found to meet our standards for asylum. This doesn't matter because those who are caught at the border are released into America and 95% of them never show for their asylum hearing. The result is a market increase in people competing for low-wage work, which disenfranchises our low-income citizens and is burdening our welfare system. Central American migrants claiming asylum have surged 800% over numbers recorded in 2012. Violence in Central America has declined by 40%. It's time that we made it clear we are closed to illegal entry into our country. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at stacyontheright.com.
0: And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part too.
2: Was she on a ship?
0: Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association.
2: Grandpa,
4: what's a scrap metal drive? (laughs)
0: Let's get some cookies, and I'll tell you all about it. Donald Trump's America.
4: The president is standing by one of his top advisors. Just days after marking his one-year anniversary as White House chief of staff, John Kelly told the West Wing staff that President Trump has asked him to remain in his post through the 2020 election kelly agreed to the request and if he remains in his post through 2020 he would be among the longest serving white house chiefs of staff in american history tensions between the president and kelly have eased in recent months the 68 year old retired marine corps general came into the job with a mandate to impose discipline in the west wing Two days ago, the president tweeted a picture of the two of them smiling side by side with the message. Congratulations to General John Kelly. Today, we celebrate his first full year as White House chief of staff. Over the course of the last few months, Kelly's imminent departure had been predicted by numerous media outlets. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News.
0: This is Spacey on the Right on Urban Family Talk.
4: You're, you're, a big, uh, you're a Cowboys fan?
0: Sure. More, Jerry, more of a Texans fan. More of a Texans. Sure. And
4: Jerry Jones basically came in and said uh, he's implementing his own policy uh, and, and saying about, about his player standing. Uh, and NFL, I guess, put a gag order on him today. When is this going to a- end? Is it, I mean, what's the solution to this? Uh, you know, look, uh,
0: every team is going to figure have to figure out how to approach this. Uh I will say, I think the NFL did itself a lot of harm last year. Uh, an awful lot of their fans, folks who go to games and like to cheer on football, found themselves thrust in the middle uh, of politics. And, you know, a couple of years ago, if I were to suggest to you that suddenly we've had to have an issue of, of athletes refusing to stand for the national anthem, that, that, that would have been viewed as absurd. And I, and I think. Uh, the NFL didn't do itself any favors last year. And that's a shame. People ought to be able to enjoy football uh, without it being turned into a political statement that, that many understandably see as, as, as a slight to our flag and to, and to the many people who, who, who stood up and fought to defend our country.
2: Mm. And I just, I'm, I'm going to use that audio from Ted Cruz. Welcome back to the program to kind of wrap this thing up. Um, You know Whether or not you're a big proponent of the American flag or that you see it as a symbol of the unity of this nation or if you just feel like it's idol worship and you just don't care about it, um, discounting the feelings of other Americans means you don't really understand how advocacy works and how to get people on board with something that you want to get support on. So the way to get support for a discussion and a national conversation about uh, the interaction between certain communities and the police is not to offend half of the country. And so, you know, I don't see anything changing about this situation. We see the back and forth. It's like a ping pong conversation, which it's been in the news a number of times for the past few months. And I've chosen not to talk about it here because I just feel like it's another source of division for us. And it's not even important because I know as many people out there who love football, there are just even so many more who don't care one way or the other what football fo- football players are doing. And The reason I don't care about what they're doing, other than the work that they do in inner cities and the philanthropic type stuff, which I fully support, is because they can't seem to get their own acts together. And so, you know, I'm going to need you to kind of have your stuff together before you lecture me about whether or not I support your cause. That's what I'm going to need. You know what I'm saying? That was one of the things that we really noticed a lot. If you look back at the civil rights movement, when Martin Luther King was doing his work. They chose to put on their Sunday best, not because the people who were doing the marching and the, and the protesting and the sit-ins had tons of wardrobe options to choose from, like we do nowadays. They chose to put on their Sunday best because they believed that if they could present themselves in an upright, presentable manner, a, a, if they presented themselves as professional Americans, if they cared about their appearance, if they offered themselves up in a a decorous manner that that would be a better face for their movement. When those photographs are taken of them walking erectly in their Sunday best over the bridge, when, when you see these pictures, they still ring true today. Decades after all of it occurred, you still see those pictures and you straighten your own shoulders up a little bit because you understand what they were projecting. It wasn't just that they Couldn't take the situation anymore, which they couldn't. It wasn't that they felt like they weren't experiencing the fullness of what the Constitution guaranteed to them, which they weren't, but it was also that they wanted the respect of those who disagreed with them, if for nothing else than they were upright Americans deserving of respect, exercising their rights under the Constitution. Kneeling doesn't give that same kind of impression. So agree, disagree. But when your marketing materials are bad, you can't be surprised when you're not getting the results that you want. And that's just it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, whether the president tweets about it or not, whether it becomes an issue that it's just constantly in the news. I I feel like touching on it today is plenty, you know, and then unless something amazing happens. Yeah, just not that. It's just not that great. Not that great at all. Um so people were asking about the numbers that I shared um on the the it's from CNS News. So the article it's called DHS official Ice arrested more than 127,000 criminal aliens during fiscal year 2017. I'll put it in the streams and I believe I tweeted it out. Um if I didn't tweet it out I put it on the Facebook page but in any case I will put that out there for you guys if you want to have those numbers. Um I I just it's so disgusting that we have to put up with this. Now, last thing about immigration today, and then we're going to get to this story about Canada Dry being a total sham. Now, why is this important? You guys, I gave up soda almost three years ago. I, I don't drink Sprite or Pepsi or any of that stuff anymore. The only thing I have left that I allow myself to drink that is, you know, technically in the arena of a soda is ginger ale because it's supposed to be good for you. Wait until I tell you what we've just found out. I mean, I'm raging mad, raging mad. So first, last on immigration, and this is important too. Remember, Mexico has just elected a hardcore leftist socialist who actually seems to be pretty open with, uh, to interacting with our president, even though he doesn't share any kind of you know capitalistic stuff in, in common with, uh, with our nation. So this is in Mexico City, and we've got this letter from Mexico's president-elect unveiling an ambitious infrastructure and economic development plan. And he sent the letter to president Trump and the quote from him, uh, his name is Manuel Lopez Obrador. The most essential purpose of my government will be to ensure that Mexicans do not have to migrate because of poverty or violence. We will try to make immigration with an E. So outgoing outflows optional and not necessary. Wrote the leftist president elect promising the greatest effort ever undertaken in Mexico to create jobs and reduce crime. Now, coincidentally, uh, and I, I've shared this before, I want to make sure you know this, the largest number of Mexicans anywhere, concentration of Mexicans anywhere in the world outside of Mexico is in the United States. Also Nigerians, also a few other nationalities. Like, we're, the in, we're, we're where everybody's trying to get, okay? Now, Central Americans actually outnumber Mexicans in illegal crossings at the U.S. border because a lot of Mexicans have seen the negative conversations around immigration and they're staying put. And they're staying put because things have improved a little bit in Mexico, namely due to us shipping a bunch of our factories down there. Now, the GAO report found that 45,272 Mexicans overstayed their visas in 2015. So you've got the illegal immigration through the crossings over the border, but then you have visa overstays. Remember, visa overstays comprise about 40% of illegal immigration. And that's from all over the world, not just Mexico. The GAO concludes that out of the 45,000 plus Mexicans who overstayed their visas in the year 2015, about 42,000 of those individuals. So basically all of them are still here and it's 2018. Let me, let me check. Let me double check. Yeah. 2018. Okay. So they've overstayed their visas by three years. We have no effective mechanism by which to extract individuals who are overstaying their visas. So president Trump has responded with his own letter to, Mr. Obrador he sent it in a Spanish translation and Mexico's foreign secretary designate Marcelo Ebrard is going to read it at a press conference in Mexico City later on this week President Trump said we welcome legal immigrants from around the world but we can't accept illegal immigration we're ready to take up the theme of economic development as well as security relations as well as Central American migration Neither letter mentioned Trump's campaign promise to get Mexico to pay for the wall. We haven't spoken about the issue of the wall, Ibrard said in response to questions from reporters. And experts are questioning whether the new government, due to take office in December, will be able to dedicate the necessary funds to carry out Obrador's development plans. My thing with that is, what other choice do they have? Any other situation in which you had hundreds of thousands of people who were criminals crossing over into another country and killing and raping and kidnapping the people in the country they were going into, it would be considered an act of war. That kind of language, which is just truth telling, gets liberals so upset they literally, you can see the eyes start to bulge, the face gets red, and they look like they want to choke you. They don't actually choke you but they look like they want to. That's not cool, bro. That's not cool. It's not about your feelings. It's not about whether or not you love illegal immigrants because you don't want them in your town, but you love them in America. It's about the fact that it's like an invasion. Numbers like the ones I shared, that's not the kind of numbers of people who are here out of love, as George Bush said, or here to make a better life for themselves, or they're here for the economics. Some of these people are here, just like the president said, to rape, assault, kidnap, and kill. At least 127,000 of them are. And that's way too many. Just think about the population of your town and compare it to 127,000. Just imagine 127,000 criminals rolling up into your town. Now, if you live in a huge metro area like Atlanta or something like that, you might think, oh, that's a lot of people, but at least we have a few million here, so it wouldn't be a fair fight. We're talking about hardened criminals. If you live in a small town, that's more than the population of your town by a lot. I can think of a ton of small towns right here in this area could not contain that. We're just letting that happen. All right, y'all. It's time. We got to talk about this can to dry. This is a serious problem. It's serious because I had convinced myself, as had many other people, according to this article, the drinking can to dry was something that was good for you. Now, if you are unaware, ginger as a root that you buy at the grocery store, you can buy it with the vegetables. You can peel it off the the skin, which is like paper almost, and you can cut it into chunks and boil it and then pour that boiled ginger water into a strainer to keep the trunks and the, the little strands out. And you can make hot tea with it. And it's really great if you have the flu or if you have a fever or if you have any kind of stomach upset. You can drink that warm or you can refrigerate it and drink it. And it's very helpful. You can sweeten it with honey. You can use sugar, I mean, but you can sweeten it with honey. And it's very restorative. And it tastes pretty good. Like it has a kind of almost spicy taste, but not really. It's delicious. Now, it's harder to make it taste like canada dry it's like super hard to make it taste like that and i've always wondered why because i've tried to make ginger ale at home using the perrier carbonated water and the boiled ginger and sweetened with honey and it never comes out like something that i'm like "Ooh, this is you know it tastes it tastes good but it's nothing like canada dry well here's why because canada dry made from real ginger ale it's not made from real ginger that's why and if you think i sound annoyed by that. You are correct. It says that Canada Dry only actually contains a microscopic, microscopic drop of ginger flavor extract. So this mom in New York City is the reason why we all get to know this. Thank God for this lady. Julie Fletcher says she was misled by Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, which makes Canada Dry because she bought into the idea that the bubbly brand was, quote, a healthier alternative to regular sodas because it was made from ginger root. She says Canada Dry's ginger flavor extract is not real ginger, as reasonable consumers understand the term. She filed a class action lawsuit in New York. It is manufactured in a lab using various chemicals and extraction processes. She's from a tiny village roughly two hours south of Buffalo, New York, called Boulevard, and she regularly bought ginger ale by Canada Dry in two liter bottles for her kids. She knew that ginger root can calm an upset stomach and she often purchased Canada Dry for her children when they were sick, believing that the ginger root in the beverage would soothe their stomach aches. The soda contains some ginger compounds, but only a minuscule amount amounting to less than two parts per million of ginger. Canada Dry claims that it is 100% natural flavor But actually, it's full of high fructose corn syrup, citric acid, and preservatives. So Plano, Texas, Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, actually capitalized on their Canada Dry is Made from Real Ginger campaign by using commercials, creating commercials where workers pull up ginger root plants on Jack's Ginger Farm, voicing over in the background, real ginger, real taste. Within six months of adding the claim, Canada dry sales skyrocketed by almost 9%. And they've continued to increase every year thereafter because people like me, even with sales of regular sodas, continuing to de- decline. Similar lawsuits have been filed in Missouri, Massachusetts, and California. DPSG didn't return a message to the post requesting comment. The Missouri suit was dismissed, but in that case, Dr. Pepper Snapple Group argued That independent test showing zero amounts of ginger doesn't mean there's no ginger in it. That was their argument that the judge accepted. The company claimed ginger is used to make the natural flavoring. So, I'm not going to leave you on that bad note today. Except that I am because the show is basically over and I am totally miffed about not being able to purchase ginger ale anymore so i'm on the hunt y'all i will find a ginger based replacement for my canada dry ginger ale and when i do i will post it on my instagram account so that we can all enjoy it together this is an outrage and i will not i will not be without satisfaction i will find something to replace ginger ale and i will no longer purchase it sorry i'm just not going to do it so That's the show. Tomorrow, we're going to delve into the story about this Ohio Cafe that gives discounts to customers who bring in their church bulletin and the atheists who hate it. God bless you. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.